You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Jesus, we thank you for the chance to be together again, receiving the precious words of Scripture. And this day, when we celebrate the unity we have in you, with all those who have come before us, who have lived and died in faith, we ask for your blessing that we might rightly praise you as someday we will be privileged to be at that wedding feast that has no end. We ask this through you who live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Jamie, at a certain point I'm going to take over from the with the remote control. Um, so there's, there are days in the church year when the pastor's temptation is to talk too long. I mean, honestly. It's just one of those things that some days, the more the pastor says, the more he's likely to detract from what's going on than to add to it. And this is one of those days. The, the prayers, the songs... The Bible readings say everything that needed to be said in some ways. So, especially with all the special things we have going on, I felt, a, I felt a pull to be brief in today's sermon. But Michael and I are not known for that. <laughs> so I, I, I pray your prayers for me as, as we go along. Um, I'm going to start with a, a little story of my first church. My first congregation was in western Pennsylvania. It was the intersection of two roads. Um, in the middle of deep, deep hunting country. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of square acres and even miles of state game land. And in the middle of this, this little intersection with 800 souls. And um, in that little town, there were eight churches. There were no unchurched people. Um, there were people who hadn't been to church in a while, but they claimed an affiliation with one of the other churches. So when the pastors would get together, and we all knew each other very well, we'd all get together once a month, and it was more like, is so-and-so going to your church now? They, oh, yeah, okay. And you just kind of kept track of where everyone was and, and dreamed of the day someone new came to town that you might actually visit them. Um, but in that group, there were a lot of different kinds of people. There were free Methodists, there was an Anglican, Roman Catholic, Assembly of God, uh, Presbyterian. We had all sorts of people all over the map. Um, one of my best friends in that group of pastors was the conservative Baptist pastor. And while we all worked together in the community to lift up Christ and glorify Him, at the same time, we had some differences between us. And usually we would hash those out over a, a cup of coffee and sometimes a sandwich. We, we pastors would get together and, and sort things out. Uh, the Baptist pastor and I particularly liked to do rounds about certain theological points, and we had a good time with it. But we were good friends, and we, we recognized our unity in Christ. Well, one day, I was having 
uh, lunch not with the, the Baptist pastor, but with one of the Catholic pastors. And, uh, and we talked for a while about different things. And he says, Brett, you know, I don't get you. I, says, I said, so what do you mean? He says, well, I never see you out of a cleric. Uh-huh. I've been to your church. And you use incense on Wednesday nights. And you wear a cassock. Yeah. And you celebrate saints' days and you're part of a Benedictine-style prayer order. Yeah. Are you sure you're in the right church? <laughs> I think my Baptist friend thought the same thing. And uh, what I want to share with you is that it's days like All Saints Sunday that make me absolutely certain I'm in the right church. Because as, with all due respect to, to our Catholic brothers and sisters, the way they celebrate things is a little different than the way we do. All Saints Day for both of us is November 1st. We all celebrate it on a sun, the Sunday nearest it. Um, we have Reformation Sunday, so it always ends up on the other, other end of the week from Reformation Sunday. Um, but all, so November 1st is All Saints Day. November 2nd is All Souls Day. And that difference that Lutherans have All Saints Day but not All Souls Day is critical. Thinking back to last week's sermon or your Reformation history, if you know that, the, the thing that the Reformation lifted up were the five solas of the Reformation, the onlys. And all of them boil down to this. All of salvation comes down to through Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. That's what all the other alones mean. If there's a distinction between the saints... And the, the souls, there's a problem from a Lutheran perspective because the difference has to be if we're all claimed by Christ and Christ is one, how can there be two different sets of people in the church? The difference must be that some just worked a little harder, meaning they added something to what Jesus did. Now that I don't believe. Christ did all that was necessary for our salvation. And that's every one of us. In the New Testament, even when St. Paul's going to tear a strip off a church, he addresses them as to the saints in the church at Galatia, or Rome, or Corinth. We are saints not because of what we do, we are saints because of what Christ has done for us. We trust not in our own righteousness, but in His righteousness. And because He has done all that is needed, He can give to us as a gift our salvation, the forgiveness of our sins. The inheritance that was to be His alone is now ours as well. And two pieces of art kind of help highlight this. This is a very famous piece of art. You'll see it when we come around to communion this morning. Um, this is from the altarpiece at the Cathedral of Ghent. You'll see right at the center of it, there's a lamb standing on the altar. That's the lamb you just heard about from the book of Revelation. Christ Jesus our Lord, enthroned at the center 
of all that's going on in this heavenly worship service we see going on in the book of Revelation. And of course around him are the ministering angels. Uh, you can see a, there's a little, you, you may not be able to see this until you get a close-up of it. You can Google it later, but you get this little thing here. This is uh, blood pouring into the chalice and the, the unity of our altar here on earth with the altar in heaven. But I want to draw your attention to the people who are around the altar, who are worshiping. These are your Old Testament on the left, in the front foreground on the left. That's your Old Testament saints. Uh, the guy in the center with the crown is either Solomon or David. I don't know who. Um, but the rest of them, if you, if you want, there's, a, there's an answer key. You can get on Google later. You can pull this art up and you can look at it. Um, the, lower, the front right are the New Testament saints, so the New Testament characters. We have the apostles, all 12, uh, they're including our substitute for Judas, all down there. They're praying in the front and following and train all the rest of them. And then what you get in the back are the female martyrs and the male martyrs. What are, what's conspicuously missing from all of this are people like you and me. Where are the people who made candles for a living with which they lit the cathedral? Where are the people who took out the trash? Where are the people who in our day and age might repair your car or work in the law or in a doctor's office or as a teacher or carry the mail? <laughs> Where are all of them? Truly, some of us are called to heroic lives in Christ. And that's more a function of where we fall in history. But the great saints of the church's life, the kind of people who might actually earn themselves a stained glass window someday, in terms of our remembering their heroism, they all confess that they are saved alone by the grace of God in Christ. I love that Anthony of Egypt, his dying words were, so little time to repent. Meaning, I trust alone in what Jesus has done for me and not in anything I've done for him. We are all saints together. And we're all saints because of what God has done for us in Jesus, not because of what we've done for ourselves. And this painting, this is a more modern painting by a poet, I'm sorry, a painter named Nathan Green. This is called um, Our Blessed Hope or All The Blessed Hope. And this is the same picture of the resurrection of the dead and the book of Revelation sort of breaking in on this creation and renewing it. And uh, Jesus is once again at the center as he should be. But instead of just having these heroic figures, it's the angels are up top, but you get down here, people of every tribe and nation and race here in the foreground. Many of them pointing to Jesus. Some in a sort of, here he comes and others with their arms open. He's here. Embrace me. Which you probably can't see at this distance. The, the two things I find most touch. Well, I love that here in the cemetery, there's just people getting out of, out of the grave and they don't seem to be in any hurry. They're like, hey, good, it's time. <laughs> but here is a child who died being returned to his, his parents. And here an infant. And this is the hope we have 
in the fulfilled work of Jesus Christ. That not because of our efforts, not because of my loved one's efforts, not because they were good people, we talk about that at their funerals, but that's not their hope for eternal life because we all lived with them and we knew they had some rough spots too. But rather what Jesus has done for us all. This is intensely personal for me. Um, Because of the way my mom died. My mom spent most of my childhood rebelling against the faith in which she'd been raised. Um, What I learned growing up in my house was that you could try anything except Christianity. That was a mess. That was wrong. Um... It was a big deal when I had to call my family and tell them, not only was I a Christian, I was going to be a pastor. My younger brother didn't talk to me for seven months because he wasn't sure what he could still say to me. My mom, uh, in my later childhood, uh, fell into alcoholism and got addicted. And the anger she seemed to feel at life got reflected in this disease where... She kept drinking and kept making a mess of things. Um, Later on in in life, when she would come to visit us, uh, because as a pastor, if you want to see your kid at Christmas time, you go to them because they can't come to you. They've got responsibilities, right? Um, Especially once the kids were born, she would come and visit. Um, I don't know what she heard in the church she grew up in, but I know what she heard when she came to my church. (laughs) And what she heard was, our hope is in Jesus Christ. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And little by little, she'd make some comments when we get home after the sermons. Like, I never heard it explained that way, or I didn't think of it that way before. And she seemed to be making some tentative steps back toward her faith. Even at one point, recommending that one of her co-workers call her, her son and talk to him. Because, well... He seems to be okay at his job. Maybe he could help you with something. (laughs) Um, In 2010, uh, she was having a bad day with the alcohol, and I'd been back and forth on the phone with her neighbor a couple of times. The next morning, I called my colleague, who um, was at his church, was across the street from her apartment, and I said, Hey, AJ, um, my mom's not answering her phone. Would you please go over and tell her I'll be there in two hours, kind of get herself cleaned up. I'll, and uh, I got a phone call about five minutes later. I said, Brett, I don't know how to tell you this, but your mom's gone. And she died in a chair with a bottle of vermouth next to her. And as an ER nurse, I'm quite certain she knew she was having a heart attack. I don't know why she didn't call the ambulance. I do know she was addicted. I don't know what the state of her faith was when she died. But I know that the greatest saints, the ones who get the stained glass windows, I am positive that none of them looked at a mountain and said, you, get up and move there. And the mountain moved. And Jesus tells us with faith the size of a mustard seed, you can manage that. What I know is whatever faith my mom had, 
Jesus can make the most of it. And that in the end, my faith is not in my faith. My faith is in Jesus Christ, my Lord. And if I can entrust myself to Him, I can entrust my mom, my wife and kids, my friends, to Him whose judgment is perfect and whose mercy is great. We are in the bark of Peter, in the boat of the apostles, of which Christ is the captain. And for that we are blessed, and it is our unity with all those who came before us, whose faith was as weak or as strong as ours, that we trust. We trust in our Lord, and that faith unites us with them. And that's what we celebrate this day. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious God, we thank you for the hope we have in our Lord Jesus, who in his resurrection conquered death, who on the cross took away our sins. We're told by the book of Revelation that we conquer by the blood of the Lamb and it is in His blood we trust in His righteousness. Lord, bless us with a faith that moves beyond our sin and a faith that not only declares us righteous but makes us strive to be righteous. Grant us to give a good witness to You for beyond all praising. And with our lives, to show that we are united with those who came before us and who trusted in you alone for their grace, you alone for their salvation. We ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that Thou art. Be Thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, Thy presence my life.